Hi, and welcome to the Cyclical Podcast. My name is Cassandra Wilder, and I'm a naturopathic doctor and a women's cyclical health expert. This podcast is a space where we demystify all of the bad hormone advice we've been given and instead get back down to the foundations. Your dream of regular, pain-free periods, balanced hormones, and vibrant energy is within reach. Join me and other incredible experts here every single Monday for conversations that are sure to be life-changing. Let's get started. Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Cyclical Podcast. Today's episode is a real treat because it's a topic I've been wanting to talk about for a long time, and I've searched high and low to find an incredible expert to bring here on the podcast. I was on Instagram, I feel like this is how all my stories go. (laughs) I was on Instagram and came across Dr. Stacy's Instagram account and it really connected with me. Not only is she also a naturopathic doctor, but she is also someone that has truly lived through breast implant illness personally. So because of that, she brings in a really incredible perspective to this whole conversation. And she does, of course, talk about some of the big things to know about breast implants and the ingredients and why BII or breast implant illness is more and more common now and why people are talking about it. And then she also has her personal experience with it that she shares where we get a really intimate view into her symptoms and what was going on and what she was noticing and how she found a great plastic surgeon to do the explant surgery. So it's such a cool episode. I've had a number of clients over the years who have had a lot of mysterious symptoms while they've either had implants in or had them removed a couple years prior, but still had a lot of weird lingering symptoms like fatigue or even fibromyalgia-like symptoms. And this episode illuminates why that is, why there should be more awareness around breast implants and the complications that they can present for women's health. Our guest today on the podcast is Stacy, and she is a traditional naturopath who specializes in functional medicine. She's also an expert in stealth pathogens, gut healing, hormone balance, autoimmunity, detoxification, and overall holistic healing. She has a fantastic Instagram account where she talks about a lot of areas of health that are overlooked. So really, really recommend connecting with her after this episode, but let's go ahead and get started and begin this conversation on breast implant illness. Hi, Stacy. It's so amazing to connect with a fellow naturopath and a woman who has also lived through some intense healing challenges, but taken a root cause approach to heal so much. And today we're going to talk a lot about breast implant illness, something that you personally lived through and overcame. Um, and I know this is going to be so inspiring for so many women. So thank you so much for being here. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I love um, just conversing with like-minded people and, you know, educating on my history and my health story because it truly led me to where I'm at today. Yeah. Yeah. How old were you, can I ask, when you got your implants in? Like what part of your journey was this inserted in? So this was when there was really no health, (laughs) (laughs) nothing health related. I mean, other than working out, I'd always been very avid in the fitness community and the fitness world. And that's probably why I had smaller breasts, you know, being the age I was, but I did get them put in around the age of 21, I want to say. Yeah. So it's like super young. Yeah. Yeah. I was pretty young. Yeah. And when you got them in, do you feel like anyone had informed you about like potential risks or anything like that? Or was it like, congrats, like your life's going to be better now. You have bigger breasts. Yeah, <laughs> Enjoy. Yes, totally, totally. And I even went to an older doctor um, 
you know, who had been in the business for a long time. I didn't know a lot of people my age. You know, I was kind of young when I got them. I didn't really know a lot of people who'd had them. Um, so a friend of mine, her mom had kind of given me a referral to a doctor. But yeah, it was totally that, you know, oh, you know, you're going to be so happy. Your body's going to be more proportionate. Like life is going to be so good. No, I mean, what I'm looking at now is I should have had like a book of like warnings, <laughs> get yeah. it to me. Nothing. I mean, you basically, you sign a waiver, um, basically of like complications of the actual surgery process, you know, and that's all I really remember. That's so, so wild. Yeah. So it wild. was crazy. Mm -hmm. And so at that time you weren't really in the health field quite yet. How many years later was it that you started to either notice some different symptoms, or even just you started to have more awareness and started to ask like, hmm, is this good? So I've, so let's say 10 years of symptoms, you know, until I really, really was able to put two and two together. And I know that sounds kind of crazy, but when we're, when we're, you know, going from twenties to thirties, lots of things change. You know, you have a lot of hormone things that change body changes. And we have it in our mind that with society, like, oh, as you age, you get brain fog or you get mommy brain or <laughs> you know what I mean? Like all these things. And so you, it's very easy to dismiss things when you've been taught by society, like, oh, that's normal. It's normal to be bloated. It's normal to have this. It's normal, you know, just, you know, so that's kind of, I, I mean, Going back to your question, I within six months and I looking, I only make the correlation now because I made a list of when my symptoms started a few years ago and then kind of was trying to pinpoint. Within six months, I had had been diagnosed with hypothyroidism of what? getting my implants. Yeah. So that in itself was just, it's kind of unheard of. Thyroid conditions didn't run in my family. Now, don't get me wrong. It was probably exacerbated a little bit because I was definitely like an underfeeder, overworking, overworking out type person for sure. A lot of us are in our 20s. Um, but yeah, it was bad. Like that was the that was the first thing that had happened. And really, I just feel like every year these strange symptoms would, you know, add on like vertigo and all of a sudden you're having ocular or aura migraines or, you know, just brain fog so bad I would be driving and I would forget like where I was driving. It was just so wow. bizarre and so crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and then some random ones too, which are really ones that stood out to me that in the breast implant illness community that I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is what I have. And it was just random ones. Like all of a sudden I couldn't metabolize um, caffeine or especially alcohol, but knowing what I know now, obviously that was, you know, liver, you know, liver health, the implants definitely added on to that, you know, it's that toxin load and that sort of thing. But that was one that really stood out to me that was like very specific, you know, of the symptoms of breast implant illness. Mm -hmm. So that was like your big, aha, this really is something that I may be experiencing. Yeah. Yeah. When you have those really specific ones and then people in the community are like, you know, oh, we all had that pretty much. You're like, it's kind of hard to avoid because I had been looking back at breast implant illness stuff for probably a year or two before I was kind of like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what's wrong with me. You know? 
Mm -hmm. Which I'm sure is so sad in that moment, but also I think a lot of us that have had weird symptoms feel a sense of relief too when there's like a term for what we're experiencing. It's not in our head, but then we're like, okay, now this whole new journey begins. Yes. And trying to find a doctor who (laughs) now don't doctor, there are very few plastic surgeons that will admit it's a thing, but and I, trust me, I called around Louisville, Kentucky is a pretty big city and that's where I had my explant surgery. But, you know, I called several, um, plastic surgeons and if they, you know, denied it off the bat, they were a no go for me because the way I look at it is like, if they don't even believe this is real, how can I be sure that they're going to get every last piece of this implant out of my body? You know? Yeah. Cause, cause it will affect me, you know? So I, definitely did my research. The doctor that I chose to go with actually had written about, you know, some women who experience issues with, you know, breast implants in an American medical journal. So I was like, okay, this feels right, you know, and I knew that he would do the kind of procedure I had wanted and that sort of thing. So yeah, I mean, it is hard getting, and none of them, not, I won't say none of them, but very few of them will admit it's even an issue. Right. Uh, Okay. I've got so many questions to ask you. Um, Can you, I guess, summarize to anyone that's listening to this and is like, what? I did not know that breast implants are even bad or could potentially cause issues. How do you summarize what breast implant illness really is? So I will say my idea of this has evolved, right? Because when I was first sick, I didn't really think that it could, you know, necessarily be that because, because of the fact that why would it affect some women and not others? you know? And that was what I struggled with as far as like, is this really a thing? Because you would think, okay, well, if this is really BII, then everybody who gets them will have this problem. But, you know, in learning and the schooling I've done and everything else and learning about how toxins affect the body and heavy metals and neurotoxins and all these things, um, you know, you kind of create a perfect storm. And, and essentially it's your toxin load is just, you know, it's a proverbial straw that broke the camel's back when you get the breast implants for a lot of women who are having trouble with it. Either they have detoxification issues, they already have, you know, liver stagnation, they already have toxins that their bodies are working through, or they already have an autoimmune response or something like that, that they're predisposed to. It's basically the tipping point that really just sets women off and just makes their immune system have, you know, that sort of reaction that is just treats the breast implants as an invader, basically. So exactly. You, yeah. You have this cytokine storm and then you have all these symptoms to follow because your body's chronically trying to fight something off and it, it just can't keep up because they're still there. Exactly. Exactly. The poor little immune system is just mm-hmm. working and working and working, but yes. it can't do anything to remove these giant exactly. <laughs> things out of our chest. Yeah. Yes. It's yep. really shocking too to look up, you know, what are the symptoms of breast implant illness because it's paragraphs. Like there are so many yeah, symptoms. Sure. It's not just like yeah. depression and nausea or something. I mean, they talk right. about anxiety, fatigue, joint pain, brain fog, hair loss, weight gain, depression, um, mood swings, ringing in ears, skin rashes, visual disturbances, like you mentioned, fibromyalgia-like symptoms, food intolerances, swollen lymph nodes, all uh, sick all the time. Like, yeah, that's insane. It is. 
It really is. And I'm glad that you brought up too that, you know, even with a lot of these symptoms, because it sounds like most of those checked your box as the Mm -hmm. years went on, um, that it was kind of challenging to find a surgeon that would take you seriously. I have heard that within plastic surgery, they're apprehensive to label label it a real thing because that would require them to uh, essentially have liability. Do you think that's true? I definitely think that's a piece of the pie for sure. Um, and you got to think the minute they admit it's an issue, insurance companies are going to have to pay for explant surgeries. Oh, yeah. You know, they're not going to do that. I had to pay full price getting them in and getting them out because that just, (laughs) that was my bad, you know. But insurance, if they, you know, if it's a diagnosable, codable disease or, you know, dysfunction or anything like that, then it's going to have to lead to, um, you know, the removal, just like a recall, you know, and that sort of thing. So that definitely is one piece of the puzzle as to why. Maybe it will be um, in some roundabout way. I think it's just very easy for them to be like, no, it's not this. It's because you have chronic fatigue. But really, it's you have chronic fatigue because of that, you know, but Mm -hmm. they like to twist it or they like to blame it on something else because we obviously we have more than one symptom, you know. So it's very easy to just label it as blank autoimmune condition because that's basically what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, you know, that is what I feel like are the, the two kind of main reasons why it's not. And the other thing too, is how do we diagnose a disease? We usually have a pathology or blood work specific to it. And I just don't think that's been established yet. You know, will it maybe, you know, Mm -hmm. but I just, I think the insurance and just the plastic surgery business in itself will never really, um, it probably won't happen. It's just a big business, you know? Yep. That's exactly, that's exactly it. And like we were talking about before we clicked record, I mean, it's a business that kind of preys on women's insecurities mm-hmm. too. Yeah. You know, um, you were sharing some of your reasoning for getting implants and maybe you'd like to share that again here. Um, but I think yeah. unfortunately most women, yeah, feel like if they have bigger breasts, then they'll be more something more worthy, more beautiful, more lovable, something like that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we were kind of talking before and um, we are just consumed with things around us that make us feel like we're not enough. You know, we're not enough. We're not doing enough. We're not working out enough. We're not doing enough, you know, procedures for our skin. We're not, you know, we're just never enough. We don't have enough money. We don't have this or that. And so all we focus on is the lack of what we have. And I think that is where I really got stuck for a really long time, especially being in the fitness world. I I was a personal trainer at the time, um, around the time I got my implants too. So it was a very, um, you know, it, it was very competitive, I will say, you know, just on how you looked and who looked the most like a trainer and, you know, this and mm-hmm. that. And, and then you feel like, well, I have to look the certain way because I am a trainer. My clients are looking at me, you know, in this light. So there was, I, I really struggled for a long time in my 20s with finding my worth, feeling like I was enough. And I felt like my body was a big part of that. And in all reality, it's not, you know, that's not why people hang out with me. When you die, people are not going to be like, she had a banging body. You know, (laughs) that's not, that's not what matters to the core. Right. But 
for whatever reason, when you get overly consumed with these things, it, it just, it does it. That's exactly what it does. It consumes your whole world because you never feel good enough. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure someone listening to this is feeling that. And it's interesting maybe to reflect why any of us do any of the decisions we do in the world, you know, whether that's getting surgery or, or whatever, Anything, um, you know, yeah. yeah. What was the true intention behind it? Maybe there are some people that don't do it from us, you know, a place of insecurity or lack, but I think probably most, most people do. Right. Right. You know, maybe some people, it's just the one thing they couldn't do on their own. You know, I can't mm-hmm. make them bigger. I can, I can get my body in shape, but I can't make them bigger. So maybe that's, maybe when I do this, my life will be better, you know, right. in some way. Right. Exactly. Um, I want to talk to you about ingredients of breast implants because when I've mentioned to clients in the past that have breast implants and have a huge list of, again, kind of weird symptoms that don't seem to have any rhyme or reason or make any sense together, you know, usually their first question is, but like, how can this make me unwell? They're just saline, Cassandra. And I'm like, they're not just saline. Can you talk (laughs) a little bit about that? Yes. Um, I, I, and I was, you know, kind of up against the same thing. As I got older, I had more friends that got them and they're like, oh yeah, well, we're doing the saline. So we're totally cool. But (laughs) saline and silicone are both in that silicone lining. So that you're getting the exposure. It's just like if it bursts, then you wouldn't get the exposure of this, you know, of the silicone. But yeah, I mean, you're talking neurotoxins, heavy metals, um, just toxic chemicals to the max that are, like I said, you have that constant exposure Mm -hmm. that you just, your body really just can't get rid of. And also, you know, you got to think endocrine disruptors, things like that. These are all in going to affect hormones, cognition, you know, they're all going to do, take a toll on the immune system overall, because it's just that chronic state of stress that your body's under. Yeah, exactly. I think it's shocking to think that they test positive for things like platinum and vanadium and arsenic and lead and mercury, you know, just like little things that aren't harmful at <laughs> yeah, all. No big deal. You can't even mail mercury, but you can have it in your body. It's Yeah, fine. stick it right in your boob. It's totally fine. Um, totally fine. What could go wrong? Exactly. And I've heard so many women who do have implants and maybe do have a doctor that's more investigative when they do get heavy metal testing done. Yeah, it's through the roof. Um, mm-hmm. And so when you were saying yeah. there's no real like testing for BII yet in my mind, I was like, maybe though that could be one of them. Like if that was standardized, right? That to would be so, yeah. Do a heavy metal test if someone has breast implants. You know, they said it's interesting because they said they cultured the implant when they took it out. And I'm, I was always like, okay, what are they? I'm not really sure what they're, I don't know if they were culturing it for breast cancer. I never really asked or followed up, but because they said, well, it came back benign. And I'm like, benign for what? I just tested positive for mold, metal, like all these other things. Like, what were you testing? Like I did it. I was just kind of nervous about the fact that they were even testing it for something that I was kind of like, you know, okay. But you know, you're thinking conventional testing. They were probably testing for, you know, maybe some kind of tumor marker or something like that, because there was that correlation between um specific types and breast cancer um that were I don't know I I don't remember the the exact 
correlation. It was actually the kind of implant that I had had. So it was kind of scary, but there was an, a, a direct correlation between one of them actually causing breast cancer. So maybe that's what they were testing for, but still mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. like, there's a lot going on for this test to just come back. I'm like, Oh, you're clear. Right. Like they're just looking for cancer and you're like, yeah, uh, there's yeah. other things going on here. There's a lot going on. Were they gummy bear? implants? I think they that's were. the one. Yes. Okay. I think that's mm-hmm. the one that's been correlated. Yeah. To have more yeah. problems or even to leak over time where you're still completely intact. Mine were intact. Thank the Lord, because yeah. I was really nervous that one of them was, there was just something. And they had even mentioned maybe before the explant, like it just had looked different than the other side or whatever. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's scary. And they said, well, you know, it would stay intact, which is honestly not true because you see all these explants where they are not, those gummy bear ones are not staying intact like they should. They are getting in the bloodstream. They are, you know, rupturing. And so that's kind of like another misleading thing that you know has been told to a lot of women Mm -hmm. and the other thing too that really bugs me is they made it seem like and I was so young at the time I never really thought about it but they made it seem like oh yeah it's like a one-time thing like you'll only have to do this once but they expire in 10 years so you're basically signing yourself up for a lifetime of replacements and surgery. And that's something that a lot of women I don't believe are actually told. I mean, maybe obviously I should have asked, but I was so young and, you know, and but a lot of girls who get them are young right. and they're getting younger and nobody thinks long term like that. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just excited to get new boobs. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So having that and just not only just the implant exposure, but that you're putting yourself in a situation to have a surgery. Mm-hmm. That's a major trauma on the body that you're signing up for every 10 years. I wonder if it's more traumatic for the body when some women are like, I've had these ones in 22 years and I'm fine, oh. you know, or <laughs> getting new ones every 10 years. I really wonder what yeah. is more overwhelming to the body. I don't know. Although I will say it seems like the women who got them like the OG women who got breast implants don't have the same, what I've seen anyway, don't have the same response that we're having. And is that because we are just perpetuated with such a toxic environment that things are hitting us sooner, you know, us younger people getting them? I don't really know, but you know what I mean? Like the older people who had them back in the day don't seem to, there wasn't this insurgence of all, all of a sudden we all have breast implant illness. Why would it be a thing now and not 40 years ago? That's a really interesting point, huh? Yeah. Is it social media or was it an actual thing? I don't know. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Was it just underreported or mm-hmm. yeah, were, were they more simple back then? Maybe so. Maybe so. I mean, our, our environments do get toxic, even more toxic daily. So there is maybe they were, you know, cleaner in a way, but you still have the chance of having that perpetual immune response. If you have any other thing going on in the body, you know, it still could be that issue. Exactly. So when you finally knew, like, I have to get these things out, you had all these symptoms and you had said you were also dealing with a lot of mold. Was that right? So I, so at the time I was not, working with anybody else, um, you know, for health purposes or anything. I wasn't doing anything else yet because for me, I, 
was reading all these success stories and I was like, okay, the minute I get these suckers out, I'm going to feel so good. Like this is the answer to all my Mm -hmm. problems I've had for the past 10 years. And so the only thing I was doing at the time actually was I was just monitoring my thyroid and I was on armor medication at the time. Um, And that was the only thing I was doing Uh, other than, you know, trying to move my body as I could, but it, it was to the point where I really, I would get inflamed just going on a walk. Like that's how stressed mm-hmm. my nervous system was. I would just, I would be on the couch for hours after just going on a walk around the neighborhood. It got really, really bad. Um, so it wasn't until I got them removed that I didn't have that. Like, oh my gosh, I'm so much better. My problems (laughs) went away. Like, and I'm so glad that is the case for some people. And that just shows you like, that's the power of the toxins in the implants alone. When someone feels that drastically better, as soon as they get them removed, like, dang, that's, that's a big deal. But for me, I obviously had a lot of other things that were already going and you know, that to the point of my thyroid being affected. And like I said, these, the implants just kind of, you know, perpetuated the situation, made things worse. And when I wasn't feeling better after the fact, I still was like, there's more work. I know there's more work to be done. I feel better physically. My back doesn't hurt. I can take a deep breath. You know, these sort of things, structural things were alleviated immediately, but I still had gut issues. I still didn't have energy. Um, there were still a lot of things that had to be worked with. And that's, I worked with a functional medicine practitioner for about, um, five or six months and we detox heavily. We, um, I tested positive for mold, for candida, heavy metals, um, SIBO, uh, just about anything you could for functional medicine testing. Um, and, and so it was, you know, I worked with her, And that really was the catching point for me where I was like, this is, I had to go through this because this is what I believe in. I believe in functional medicine. It's working for me. And this is what I want to learn. Already working on my doctorate, you know, at that point, but I wanted to specialize in functional medicine. So when I was working with a practitioner, I was also had started going to school on my own to become a functional medicine practitioner on top of a doctor. So I really wanted to specialize in that because I believed in the testing so much and because I could feel how I got better after been, being chronically ill for so long, you know, so that it was definitely like a chain of reactions that was meant to happen for me because it put me in the place of where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. But I definitely did not have that, bam, they're out, I'm done, you know, situation. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask you about that because I've seen those things online where they take a picture of their face the day they, you know, before they get the explant and they have bloodshot eyes and big bags under their eyes. And then they take a picture like two days later and they look so different. And you're like, what? It is crazy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I've just got to think like, gosh, their liver must be so happy. You know, (laughs) like they, they got over their whatever speed bump it was for their body to actually detoxify. And they like look amazing. And I'm so Mm -hmm. happy that that was the only thing they had going on, you know, for them. And they, obviously their toxin bucket wasn't as full as mine was at the time. Yeah. And like you said, there's, you know, maybe some 
there was something for you to gain from that experience because now clearly you're such a gifted practitioner and you help so many women because you've been there and you know exactly what it feels like. Yeah. And I was, I would say like the healing process sucked. It was not fun. (laughs) It was not fun. And you know, that's something that people need to hear more of because I think a lot of people are like, why am I not feeling better? I've been detoxing for a few months and everything. It's like, well, how long have you been sick? You know, first off, look at all these things we have going on. The body doesn't bounce back in a day, you know? Um, it is a process and the body has to feel safe. So we learn to support the stress response and, you know, everything else so that your body can feel safe while detoxing. But I felt a lot worse before I got better, you know, and that's an important thing that people have to realize because especially people who are trying to self heal, if you're trying to self heal and you're detoxing, you're going to stop because sometimes you just have to, you know, you hit these speed bumps. And for us as a, you know, as a practitioner, we look at it and we're like, yes, that means things are happening. Like we stirred something up, you know, Mm -hmm. let's find a way to get through it. But if you're self-healing, that happens to you, you're going to be like, oh, this, this is the, there's something wrong with the supplement. You know, you don't have those cues to kind of look for and, and navigate through them. That's why I feel like it's so important to work with somebody when you're detoxing, especially if you've been sick for that long. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, (laughs) detox reactions are a thing. So yeah, if you don't have someone that you can email and be like, oh my God, what do I do? And have them reassure you. Yeah, you're not going to keep doing it. Yes, yes. And for me, I'm kind of like, oh, you know, this, this, you know, it tells me a person's sticking point, basically. You know, that's, that's what was aggravating them the most because it's getting pissed that they're trying to get rid of it. And So, you know, for me, I see that, but you have to be able to know how to properly drain to get through it. And, you know, what maybe increased binders to help with some of those things, you know, so you got to be able to kind of mitigate. That's, I think that's why, you know, I tried to self-heal for a really long time thinking, oh, it's this or, oh, it's that, or I'm going to do this candida diet or this or that. And it just, it's a lot of time and a lot of money wasted when you could have just invested in somebody to help guide you through that. Very true. Very true. And that brings me to my next question. What were some of the things you started with when you got the implants out and you saw you didn't have like a night and day difference where your body was magically like, okay, all fixed. Where did you start? Did you start with the liver and the gut or how did you start to encourage the body to let go of all this stuff? Definitely started with gut and, um, I had, I had mold, um, probably from a house we had redone a older house, um, like a older historic home we had done. And I think it had black mold in it. Cause I tested and my husband actually tested for it as well. So wow. yeah, so we had mold, um, we weren't living in it anymore, so that was good, but I definitely had mold going on. So I definitely, it was definitely the gut had to be addressed first. Now the order of events I did things is not the order of events. I do things for my clients anymore. Um, so it was a little backwards and honestly, I feel like it took me a little bit longer to actually detox and heal because of, you know, how things were, but that was, you know, the practitioner I had worked with, you know, um, it, there was a really, you know, I feel like there wasn't a lot of emphasis on parasites and anytime there's a a heavy metal exposure or, um, you know, yeast or anything like that, I always walk clients through 
parasites, whether they're, you know, intracellular or actual, actual parasites. So when that, when things are kind of done out of order, sometimes you, you have to kind of go back and revisit that and then revisit heavy metals again, because heavy metals are, you know, hosted in parasites. So that was something that I think set me back a little bit, but you know, it's just part of the learning process. And for me, it's like I had to heal myself before I could heal anybody anyway. So it was kind of good for me to learn, like, why didn't this order of events work as well for me? It's because I had missed a part, you know? Yeah. It's like the common story of all of us. We're like, yes, I didn't exactly. really know what I was doing then, but now I would do it better. <laughs> now I, yes. It's like, let me save you time because yeah. <laughs> this has been a long time in the work and, you know, trust me. And that is such a big thing. Just, you know, I've been through this, you know, a lot of us practitioners have had some health issue that we couldn't get to the root of before we do what we do. So it's trusting who you're working with and knowing that, they know from experience, you know, why things work and why they don't. And just really putting that trust and faith into somebody is, is very important in having that relationship, you know, when you're working with someone like that. Very much so. Um, for anyone that's listening to this and is like edge of their seats, like, oh my God, I might have BII. Can you throw out a couple really helpful starting points for them um, to kind of begin this journey, find a good doctor that will take out the, not just the implants, but also the capsule no, that'll be awesome for you to talk about. Mm-hmm. But then also, yeah, like what really are those first steps to giving the body a chance to heal? Um, so yeah, a few things on that. Um, if you feel like this is you, I would, you know, you can go ahead and start working on liver and gut health. You probably, I mean, I hate to say this, but if your implants are still in, you're not going to fully feel a hundred percent if this is like what you have going on. Um, because it's an immune response and there's no way to hundred percent shut that down by healing your gut or by doing liver support. So know that, but definitely working with a, you know, a naturopath or a functional medicine practitioner to start working on liver health, start, um, you know, working on gut health. Those are, those are inevitable. They need to happen and it will, it will help you after the explant. If you have to wait a while till you can get them taken out, you know, it'll help in the long term. It will cut down that detox time afterwards if you go ahead and start those things now. Um, One thing I will say about that is do not sauna if you have the implants in because they Mm. cause the metals and the neurotoxins to leach into the bloodstream. So that is a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't either. And, you know, the interesting thing is I couldn't tolerate heat or really cold either way. It was very MS-like. Like I could not do heat um, at all. So it wasn't really, it was like my body's like trying to protect me, I guess, from that when I had them in. But I saw it all the time now, but um, I'm glad I didn't because it could have made things worse. It could have pushed those things into the bloodstream a little bit quicker and, you know, detoxification was already, you know, dysregulated. So it would have been a worse situation, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is one little thing. The other thing is, you know, when you make a plan, you find a doctor who, you know, believes you and you don't have to, you know, get them to put it in writing. The fact, all you, all you have to do is know that they're on your side and know that they, they could, possibly be like, yeah, you know, these could be, you know, causing these symptoms. God forbid they, you know, tell you that it's for sure. But (laughs) 
Um, at least knowing that, knowing that you have a partner in your explant is so important. And um, for me personally, having the capsule removed is a must. It is just across the board a must because you have to think if you don't know what a capsule is, basically your body forms a barrier between the implant and the rest of your tissue and it creates what's called a capsule. I had no idea. We hear about caps, capsular contracture, I think, is what you like sign a waiver form for. And that's when like the when your capsule actually gets really hard. And it mm-hmm. really is a essentially like they have to go and revise or whatever. But it is your body kind of being like, hey, what the heck is going on? But mm-hmm. I think it happens very shortly after surgery. So you do hear about that. But I didn't realize that everyone's body forms a capsule around the implant. So it's just this beautiful way that your body's trying so hard to protect you against these toxins. If they weren't that bad, why would your body do that? Mm -hmm. You know? And so the thing is, think about that capsule tissue as being the direct exposure to all the toxins that are in that shell. Because the thing is, a lot of people think, oh, if it's not leaking, they're fine. But the toxins in the shell are enough to cause all these problems in someone. So the capsule, essentially, if you don't remove the capsule, you're keeping all those toxins in your body. So, and I think a selling point that a lot of doctors try to say is like, well, if you keep the capsules in there, we can do a fat transfer or, you know, it'll look more aesthetically pleasing or this or that. And I feel you on that because I did have you know, a moment where I was like, well, I kind of thought about doing a fat transfer, you know, because I hear these horror stories, mm-hmm. you know, and these women, they just don't feel like themselves when they get them removed. And, you know, you know, your mind goes crazy, right? We're talking about body image issues. These are all things that, you know, we might be over them, but they're still tucked away somewhere. So it is very tempting, I'm sure, for a woman to leave the capsule in there to think about, oh, okay, I can go ahead and put fat back in there so I don't have, like, I'm not flat chested. Um, but an in-block type of procedure is what you want. You want to get the capsules removed because the toxins are not gone until you do, basically. I'm so glad you just laid all that out because I know someone here needed that piece to be able to really communicate to their plastic surgeon exactly what they need them to do. Yeah. And you really have to. And I mean, I, I even told, like, you know, the surgeon was very up front with me. And he said, you know, it will look better if you leave them in. And I kind of looked at him and I said, I feel like it'd be really dumb to go through the surgery and not remove them too. Mm. You know, because you're always going to wonder like, what if, like if your symptoms persist, you just spent, I don't know, eight to probably 15 grand getting them taken out and your problem's still there. Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, I, this, I I know like in my mind, oh, I could do a frat transfer or this or that, but like that just doesn't seem to add up, you know, with what I'm putting my body through and putting my finances through to not just mm-hmm. do the whole thing, you exactly. know, and go to a good surgeon. I mean, they're, they're so good at what they do. Um, you know, I, I had a lift done. I breastfed two babies, you know, I, I was 30 or so when I had them taken out. So you know, I had been through some stuff. (laughs) So, (laughs) so I did have a lift and I mean, honestly, I am over the moon happy with how they are. I really, really, you know, 
can't believe I was even worried about being flat chested or this or that. I'm definitely not, um, you know, I'm just so happy. So, I mean, that's the thing. You can always do a lift with it if you're worried about, you know, aesthetics and that sort of thing. That's always a choice and it's not, you don't have to put anything in your body to get that, you know, just go to a skilled surgeon that, you know, has before and afters of that sort of thing and can do that. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome point. Um, anything else you'd add? So we talked about maybe prepping the body before surgery, finding a good surgeon that will remove the capsule if you want and anything else you'd add? Um, I think, you know, do a lot. I think a lot of it is doing the mental work, you know, because the thing is, if you don't really truly accept yourself for who you are, no matter what you, you're, you're always going to be in this situation, right? Because I mean, I read stories of women who get their implants taken out, but then they go get Botox. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's like you're trading in one, one thing for something else. And, you know, there's something there that's missing. So doing the mental part of it, you know, really being true to who you are and finding out who you are, you know, doing meditation, doing, you know, things so you can really be in tune and in alignment with who you are is such an important part of it. Because if, if that made you who you are, if your implants and your look made you who you are, you're going to be really lost when they get taken out. And if you do the work before and your worthiness and your confidence and your, you understand that you are so much more than your body, doing that mental part is so very important and it makes everything so much easier, you know, and the long run, because like I said, these are all part, you know, a lot of our parts of our twenties, we go through this and the insecurities and the worth factor, and we're still consumed with it today. Um, but you really have to do the work because if we continue in this path and I have a daughter, you know, I don't ever want my daughter to feel the way I felt in my twenties ever, mm-hmm. you know? So making sure, and how do we stop that? Well, we have to be okay with who we are as parents, you know, and as this generation of women, we have to be okay with who we are. And we have to know that that is a beautiful thing. Looking like ourselves and being ourselves and having our unique um, differences and personalities and our, you know, how we make everyone around us feel, that is what makes us who we are. And it's so beautiful. And, And until we really can accept that as a society, this whole situation is just going to continue to perpetuate and escalate, you know, for the next. So that, that would be my, my mindset. It's not so much, oh, detox with this person or do that. It's really doing the work yourself because, you know, I've seen the power of mind in healing with my own clients and with myself that it's just such a huge part of it. That's really underrated. I'm so happy you're saying all this. It's like, (laughs) Just warming my heart to hear. Yeah. That, it's been a yeah, long journey, deeper. trust me. <laughs> I, I was a different person 10 years ago. And this is just, I think, being a parent, being through all that I've been through, you know, body dysmorphia, eating disorders. I mean, you name it. I've been through it. I get it. And I see people struggle. And it breaks my heart. And I just want them to tell them, like, it doesn't have to be this way. And it's all in in you, you know, to change it. Mm-hmm. And that's really powerful. 
So beautiful. Wow. <laughs> what like a what a way to start to close the episode, Stacey. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Okay. Um, I love to ask my guests at the end of an episode, what is one thing you'd encourage women to start doing and one thing you'd encourage them to stop doing? Stop comparing. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. I think we just went through that, but stop yeah. comparing. And it's not just looks, but it's skills and, um, you know, everything. It's just money, everything. Just stop comparing because it literally takes you out of the appreciation for what you have and the gratitude for what you have. Um, if we made a list of everything we have now and the list of the things we don't have, you know, that list of what we have should be longer every single day. So practicing gratitude every day is so important. And whether you're healing or you're healed or you're just listening, you know, every day, that is so important because it takes you away from that lack of, you know, mentality. I don't have enough of this. I don't have enough of that. So it really puts you in a positive place. So, um, definitely stop the comparison. And yeah, I think increase the mindfulness. That has been a huge, um, part of my journey. Um, just quieting the mind, you know, and even if it's just for the nervous system benefits of it, taking time to yourself, slowing down, because how can you even know what you want out of life or who you are if you don't slow down and stop the distractions to even know yourself, right? And Mm -hmm. so, so many women are, we're so lost or we just start, I mean, not just women, everybody, we're so distracted, we're so over-consumed, we don't quiet our minds and we, we do what other people expect us to do or what we've been told by this person to do or, oh, this person does this, so we should do that. And we totally get out of alignment with our own, you know, sense of self by doing that. So I think if everybody would just hone in, practice mindfulness and, you know, really be in tune and in touch with who they are, our worlds would be so amazing and we'd be just uniquely ourselves. So those are the things I would definitely recommend to increase. Awesome suggestions. Oh, I love talking to you, Stacy. You're Thank so you amazing. So um, I really, really love just your energy and what you do in the world. So where can everyone find you and connect with you online? Yeah, I put most of my energy. Thank you so much, by the way. I really appreciate that. Um, I put most of my energy into Instagram. Um, for whatever reason, Facebook just, I don't know, it doesn't do it for me. And <laughs> I, it's too, I think it's too much work, you know, you, mm-hmm. uh, so I connect my Instagram, my Facebook, it's there on Facebook if you want to look it up, but I am on Instagram. It's underscore vibe underscore wellness. Um, and I do post almost daily on there. I post videos of certain topics. I just kind of, whatever I feel inspired or whatever people message me and want to learn more about, I definitely like to educate as much as I can and we're all learning and we're all growing. So I love to be a part of that. Um, so that is where you find me and I'm happy to chat and I try to respond as many messages as I can on there. Amazing. Well, watch out. You're probably going to get a flood (laughs) of people coming for you. So um, for everyone listening, thank you so much for being here. And if this episode was something you needed, feel free to share it on Instagram and tag Stacy and I. Or if you know someone that's dealing with a lot of these mysterious symptoms and they feel very alone or they're getting those blanket statements, like maybe it's fibromyalgia, send this episode to them because it may just be the missing puzzle piece for them. Thanks everyone for tuning in and we'll see you next week. 
Thank you so much for tuning into the Cyclical Podcast today. The best way you can support the show is by rating and reviewing the Cyclical Podcast on iTunes. It also means so much when you share this on Instagram and tag me. It helps me see what episodes really, really resonated and just keep the goodness coming. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll see you here next week.